welcome. I'm Lori Lee Binstock, and you're listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. As we wrap up the end of a challenging year, to say the least, I'd like to end the last episode of 2020 with a bit of a silver lining. At the start of 2020, before coronavirus forced Americans to quarantine, I was in a terrible place mentally. And the truth is, I don't believe I would have made it through the first quarter of the year if I didn't seek residential treatment. Um, which I received in February. So I feel very lucky and I feel like this year proved to be challenging, but I along with, I feel like so many people were able to rise to the occasion. And this is the year I found my voice and was able to do the things I never thought I would be able to pull off. And, you know, I really did get a lot of help. And I'd like to introduce you to two very important colleagues who have helped me with the task of managing social media content and creating weekly newsletters while helping me get this podcast off the ground. My interns, Michael Robb and Sarah Korea Debar, students at my alma mater, the University of Florida College of Journalism and cohorts of the Z generation, the generation shaping the social, political and economics landscape of this country. First off, I want to introduce Mike. Um, Mike, could you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and maybe why you chose to work with me? Yeah, so I'm Mike, Mike Robb, and i from the University of Florida. Um, and I love film production, TV production, and that's through the College of Journalism and Communications. And I also have a passion for just helping, you know, people that need extra help. In high school, I worked with an organization that helped special needs students or students and even adult, young adults with building confidence and building team skills with uh, in the process of playing sports together. And I was happy to see that I could channel all of that into a podcast and now really a brand through working with Laura Lee. And I also have Sarah. She actually came to me with her impressive resume. She even had her own podcast. At that point, I thought, oh my gosh, she is way more established than I am. Um, Sarah, why don't you tell us um, why you wanted to be a part of my goals? I looked at your requirements and I was like, this is perfect. Like I have a lot to do. Like this is perfect. And after being um, in lockdown, you know, the boredom gets to you. And I just felt like I needed to get hands on with something and not only that but like a huge plus was obviously that I was going to help promote mental health and trauma awareness and um, I have friends who have experienced trauma or like struggled with you know mental health and it's just really good to know that I can help in some way and and open my mind to things people have struggled with. I really thought it was interesting for me um, that you you brought a lot to the table when it came to Gen Z, just information, everything. When it because I knew I wanted to target, you know, parents and young adults, but I really didn't know how to target them, and you really helped me, um, and so did Mike. Sarah, how would you describe a Gen Zer in one word? There's so much to explain because like we have grew, we have grown up with so many changes um, 
in comparison to other generations, social media being a huge one. Um, but I think if I had to describe it in one word, I would say that um, it's about clarity. Like, you know, we're bringing so much clarity to so many things that, for example, the millennial generation was figuring out and, you know, like in the middle of their generation, they had all this like burst of social media and we kind of like grew up with it. Mike, how would you describe Gen Zers in one word? Obviously, I didn't grow up in past generations, but I feel like our generation has is so many things that it's really just hard to use one word. But I would say probably adaptive because also, as Sarah said, we've been through a lot. We grew up uh, with the Bush administration. We saw a lot of a lot of changes in the world just with as far as, you know, America's place in the world kind of became a bit more pronounced. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with that, we saw a lot of different leaders taking on the executive positions. We had three very different candidates so far in our lifetime, and they shaped, you know, our perception of the world, just like Kennedy shaped the boomers and uh, FDR shaped the greatest generation. I think also with social media, you know, it's been around for a little bit. Millennials kind of had it, but it really took started to take off by the time most of us turned into our teenage years. And I think it makes us so special. I think there's just been so much change socially. Mm-hmm. Like so many people are socially aware and we really are putting it upon ourselves to bring a lot of these issues to light with our knowledge of social media as well as issues like climate change i think we have really put it on the map regardless i think we always whether it was good or bad and were able to adapt to whatever situation was handed to us millennials were the new beginning that's the whole meaning of their name but um, I think we're bringing, like, we're shedding a light to what that new beginning is about. This generation is bringing, like, all the vulnerabilities to the table um, with the social media. It used to be, this is, like, something that we don't talk about, um, but we are making it seem okay. I do love the fact that people are saying that it's okay to not be okay. I feel like I, I see more transparency with your generation. Honestly, I was super dense when it came to social media. That's why I had you guys and you guys have done so much for me. Um, but I grew up writing papers on a typewriter. I don't even know if you guys ever did that. I needed a crash course in social media. And especially you know, what with you guys and social media, I know a lot of my friends are like getting scared of social media because of all of, I guess, conspiracy theory sites and, and what, and, you know, fake news. But how do you see, like, what are your thoughts about the future of social media, especially in, in business? It's all about connections and it's all about, and it's just, made so much easier with social media like just the other day I was like there's this writer that I really like for example and um before social media I don't know how I could have possibly reached to him and I just got my phone one day and I was like you know I'm just gonna dm him on instagram and I dm'd him and he responded and I thought that was so crazy it was like I was like starstruck for the whole entire day and 
I just think that connections and stuff like that are made so much easier. And, you know, especially now with like COVID-19, everyone's like, how am I possibly going to make connections? Like, especially people who are going to schools in big cities like Boston or New York, that you just like meet someone and network so easily. Um, with social media, it's just a lot easier. And for, um, I, I mean, I know that it, there was like a big surge in like TikTok. There were a bunch of like, people like TikTok was a new LinkedIn kind of like <laughs> a, bunch of, a bunch of employers were on there and because TikTok I think is one of the apps that most highlights like authenticity mm-hmm. so, yeah yeah and I think I think you're right there it's accessibility to people or influencers, I guess mm-hmm. you would call them now. Um, Mike, what do you see uh, as the future of social media? Just more open. Like, I think it's going to influence the openness of really the whole world. Because as we just went over, you know, back in the day, a lot of editing and fake designs and just fake photography really dominated everywhere you looked. And now you don't really see that as much. You see the opposite. You know, there's, there's, it's, it's interesting. Some pictures are, they're edited, but they're edited so that the natural, you know, body features or just photographs themselves look unedited. Like we're trying to focus more on natural, you know, natural, that's why everyone loves like their natural lighting and their selfies. Because I think a lot of people are afraid of the stigma of, like, the fake news and just fake photography. And, you know, these are just little snippets of my life I want you to see. I feel like soon, you know, it'll, it'll graduate from just little snippets of our lives that, like, almost our entire lives will be shared on social media, for better or for worse, I would like to think. For better, but I think there are definitely, I think a lot of websites kind of need to get their act together. Like, not going to, well, I will name names because everyone knows that Facebook really needs to work on their security. And so I really think it is safe to say that social media will become a lot more involved in, you know, the average consumer's life. You know, this year has seemed pretty apocalyptic. Civil unrest, a pandemic, cities burning, killer hornets, economic uncertainty, election anxiety. I don't. I just. I think there's a lot more, um, but we won't even go into that. But you know, you guys are college students. You know, who should be spending your best years of your lives with friends and you know, on campus. I know, Mike. You're are, you're not on campus, but. No. You know, especially with Gator football, you know, how does, how does, how have you managed your mental health? It has not been easy at all. Um, You know, aside from all the things happening out in the world that just make you want to stay in even more. I suffered a personal family tragedy early on this year, like really right after it all began. Um, and a pretty tough breakup shortly after. And I think it was my lowest, the lowest point of my life. I really was 
not in a good place to say the least. And I'd never, you know, I, I'd been sympathetic towards, you know, the people that have mental challenges and just emotional, that have suffered emotional abuse, but I had never really been just in that place before. And it was just extremely uncomfortable. No, no matter how much I sympathize with people who had been through it, it didn't prepare me any anymore for, for that. Um, yeah, I'm just, sorry. it's all right. Cause you know, everything happens for a reason. And even though all those, even though this year as a whole has happened, you know, I think the past few months have been a steady upward climb. And the way I got to that climb has been, you know, just reaching out in more ways than one, you know, it doesn't always have to be professional help, although I would recommend it because that was, you know, where I started to climb back up. But what ultimately, you know, put a stop to my panic attacks and worries is, you know, you have to face your fears. Obviously you have to be careful about it nowadays, but you know, my biggest fear was probably the virus. And I didn't go out at all for like a good four or five months, except to get gas or something. And if you have the means, definitely reach out to professional help. Absolutely. Sarah, what about you? How have you been managing your mental health this year? Well, um, first of all, I want to say I'm sorry, Mike, for your loss. Um, I can't even imagine. Um, My uncle, I think it was like in the end of the summer, um, he has been a doctor for the whole entire time um, of COVID, like helping people with COVID and he got COVID and it was like really hard for him to recuperate because he was so tired from helping everyone and like working for so long, so many hours. Thankfully he got better over time, but um, yeah, that was really scary. But um, I think, well, I traveled abroad. I went abroad to Madrid last fall. Um, and then I came back to college and then it was just like, I came back to UF and I was, it was just like such a rush. Like, you know, I just came back and then like, I was doing all these things. I was reunited with all my friends, um, whatever. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and then slowly, like one by one, all my friends were going home and then it was time for me to go home. And then, you know, like, and then I was home and then I had to like, I was taking a multimedia reporting class um, and it was just like really, really hard to do that in through a computer. Like I couldn't get anyone that wanted to interview with me. I couldn't do anything. So I was like, I'm literally going to fail this class and whatever. And I'm a huge extrovert, like huge, huge, huge. And um, I completely, I was like, what even am I supposed to do? Like, I can't see my friends. Like I was begging my friends for Zoom calls and then, you know, like Zoom happy hours or whatever. And And then I just got even tired of that. And it was just all very stagnant. Like I was just stagnant, like, you know. Um, So after a while, I I started going to, um, obviously when she got comfortable with it because it's both parties because of COVID, um, going to my therapist and like talking about not just COVID related things, but just like everything. And it's like so refreshing to have a therapist because it's kind of like a diary that speaks back to you (laughs) yeah Um, 
So I definitely recommend that. And I would not stop recommending a therapist to like all of my friends who like were going through it worse than me because I don't want to sound like, I don't know, like privilege or something, but I wasn't like really struggling because um, thankfully like my parents helped me a lot and um, they even made a study room for me and for me to continue my studies. But um, yeah, I just think that. And then another thing that helped me was just focusing on myself. I was like, you know what, this is a time that I really can focus on myself. You know, I was like working out a lot. I would like um, do yoga, you know, and it like reminded me of you, Lorley, because you are always doing yoga. <laughs> um, Not recently, but yeah, and- <laughs> it does help. Yeah, exercise help. is key. Yeah, as exercise well. is key. I could imagine how tough that is. And, and the uncertainty is so difficult because how can you plan? You know, I was, I was in away from DC for eight months and I, I was literally living out of a suitcase. And so not knowing when my kids were going to go back to school or if they were like, it, it, it was troubling and it was, it was really difficult. And, you know, something that you were, you, you touched on about, you know, seeing a therapist, both of you. Um, Yes. And, you know, and to be honest, yeah, mental health, getting care for mental health is, I believe, a privilege. It shouldn't be a privilege, but it is, unfortunately. Um, But yes, if you do have the means, I think even, even if you don't think you're doing so bad, seeing a therapist can help just help you organize and, and and figure out especially with such uncertainty, how to kind of get through all of it. What is the biggest worry about the future for Gen Zers? Um, I can't speak for everyone, but I think um, our biggest fear is becoming a world of superficiality and looks. Um, I know that older, that other generations think it's ridiculous how much we post on social media. Like my family always talks about it. Um, And like my mom is always like, Sadie, now I understand why you spend so much time on Instagram. This thing like takes work, you know? Um, And I just think it's like really hard for other generations to understand how important it is to us like that's literally our networking like that's how we're going to advance in the world and um it's it's fairly new um and I just think that it's really important to distinguish your needs versus your image because a lot of people do really get sucked in and like oh this is like I always have to look good for social media and blah 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 and um, I think that's my biggest worry for our generation and for future generations is that like like realness is stripped away and the only thing that matters is what you post on Instagram and like I don't think that's healthy for bringing it back to like this podcast I don't think it's healthy for anyone's mental health so I think that's important um obviously that's like the worst case scenario because there are so many good things that happen from social media but yeah what about you Mike so there's a lot as Sarah said but for me as a Gen Zer that was you know right on the 2000 mark you know with 
being able to kind of see the remnants of the past century and then transition into the 20th, 21st, you know, with all this really power at our fingertips, because, you know, knowledge is power. I would say I worry about for us becoming, you know, just becoming an ignorant generation. We've seen that in every generation, but what's so dangerous about it, this being in our generation is because, you know, you can really change the world with your phone in your hand. And there's a lot of misinformation and, you know, it can be almost impossible sometimes to determine what's real and what's not. There are a lot of issues that are that seem to have fallen on our shoulders, like political climates and climate itself. And I, I just hope we don't give up and become indifferent. And we, cause we have a lot of drive, I think deep down. And if we can consolidate that, then that'll really change a lot of, fix a lot of problems in the long run. With social media, that's really how you can really go far. I mean, this, I loved, I love doing the podcast. You guys know that. I hate doing anything with social media. That's why I have you guys, right? But, you know, uh, if I want to pitch a TV script, the first thing a producer will tell, tell me is, Build your your social media engagement. I want to write a children's book, a memoir. Build your social media engagement. Um, even to get people to listen to the podcast, build your social media engagement. Yeah. Everything is re really hinges on that. And you know, Mike, like you were saying, I you know there was a point where the arguments on social media about what's real and what's fake was just getting to be too much in the last several years. And so I got off social media, but because of this podcast, it's like, am I just destroying my mental health by trying to help others with their mental health and health and trying to elevate my, my podcast. So it is like this, this catch 22, right? <laughs> um, so no, I get it. But, you know, according to, Pew Research, actually, members of Gen Z are more racially and ethnically diverse than any previous generation, and they are actually on track to be the most well-educated generation yet. Um, being that you guys are digital natives who really don't, I mean, you guys kind of know what it was like to live without smartphones, but do you agree with that, that your generation is the most well-educated educated generation? I think that we are exposed to so much information like from everywhere like what Mike was saying and you know like I think I was talking about it with a professor one time that he was saying that like when he was a student he had to go to the library and like there was a line of people waiting to get the book for the research and then now like all the students have that like in the tips of their fingers and um you know like now we have a subscription uf has a script into the washington post and to new york times like we have so many things now all of a sudden we're expected to be super smart 
yes, we're exposed to so much information and yes, we can have tabs in Google on our phone in, in seconds. You know, I think we're able to spot a lot of these fake news things and false statements a lot quicker, just based on everything we've gathered over the years. I think another thing that's different between like Generation Z and, you know, my generation of millennials, like older millennials, and even like previous generations was you you had to be a part of like a niche, right? You you know, there were the jocks and there were the, you know, the popular kids, the cheerleaders. You know, I don't feel like that that exists much. Maybe Not that's really. yeah, that doesn't exist much because everyone's trying to be their u- own unique person. And I think um I think that's way better at least. Um and just and you know being that Gen Z is more racially and ethnically diverse, I feel like Gen Z is also more empathetic. Would you say, would you say that? I think so. Yes, because um, especially from, uh, I'm from Miami, so it's literally like diversity everywhere you see. Um, And we've all been exposed to, well, I remember my middle school was full of people from different economic standpoints, different races, different ethnicities. And we've all been exposed to these different things in different ways, Uh, like more compassionate, I would like to say, um, than others. Um, Like, it's just easy for us because we've been exposed to, to, you know, so many immigrants for example like most of my friends growing up were immigrants but you might yeah i would agree i think in fact to build upon it we're i think we're the most we're the most socially conscious generation yet people you saw in the droves during vietnam and Mm -hmm. civil rights i think we have a lot in common with those people as we've seen in this year alone Mm mm-hmm because, you know, a lot of us are coming of age with voting. You know, I think in I think in Florida, Gen Zers, like people that were just now able to vote in this election, I think it was the highest turnout for like that age, 18 to like 21. Yeah. In in history, I think so. And yeah. Um I think we've really on social media, I think everyone's been given their own unique voice. And like you said, Laura Lee, how cliques in schools aren't really, are really starting to dissolve. People are really becoming their own thing. And I think, you know, because our parents grew up when, you know, civil rights was really, its effects were finally taking root in the seventies and eighties. And the world was just naturally more conscious of you know, things like the Berlin Wall and Vietnam and just, you know, stuff like Woodstock and all that I think kind of affected them in a way that was like, we want to pass this on to our kids. And like, because I think there was a really special wholesomeness to the American dream in the 1960s, like it started to kind of 
expand to being, you know, more about, you know, anyone can attain this dream, not just a white American. And I think, you know, with social media, we've seen, you know, more people of, of varying ethnic backgrounds get more of a voice because of social media. And because it's become so central to our lives, I think naturally we've become the most colorblind generation. For both of you, I think this recent election was probably the first one you guys could legally vote in. Is that right? Yeah. Sarah? I think yes. Yes. Okay. How significant was it for you guys? Um, it was actually really exciting for me. <laughs> I never voted at all. Um, I remember when I was in like eighth grade, it was like the Obama election and we had to like cast like fake ballots in the school. Mm -hmm. And yep. I thought that was so exciting. And like, even if I had to send my ballot in the mail, like I felt important, like it was something that I was contributing to the nation that like my parents brought me to. And like, I just felt really proud, like despite all the controversy of our nation currently, like I'm American and like I'm doing my civil duty and um, it just felt really good. It, it felt, I felt really important. I just don't agree like, like aside from all that, I don't agree with the trend of like asking who you voted for. I just don't yeah. think that it's respectful. Like I think it's ridiculous because everyone has their right to privacy. It's funny because when I was younger, you know, when I was a child, I remember that there were three things you never really talked about. And it was, it was politics, religion, and money. And I think that kind of held true until social media exploded. Mm -hmm. And then everyone yep. was just giving their opinion because they it, it was like they were behind this like screen. Um, mm -hmm. How did it feel for you, Mike? It was really exhilarating. You know, I had voted in Florida's general and primary election in 2018 uh, during the governor's run. And, you know, that was cool, but, you know, it was, it felt a little, little different with it being presidential since, you know, you have to, you have to be, I mean, I was 18 at the time of the primaries, but obviously that was in the middle of uh, the term of Trump and, it, it really felt great. You know, th there was a great atmosphere there because I, you know, I was a young face showing up and I am in a pretty kid, kid heavy populated city, but they, you know, they were still happy to see another young face walk through to come vote. I didn't want to vote, like, share my vote either, which I refrained from doing on my public social media pages. If you and the opposite the person you're asking are able to respect each other, then it's fine. But I think it's also important to respect people that don't say who they voted for because, you know, it, it is a personal choice. You know, you made a personal con decision based on, you know, your confidence in that person's ability to run the country. And you know, when it comes to that, such a high figure, obviously, not everyone's going to agree because, you know, with every 
with every set of candidates we get, they all have their own agendas and their own ways of doing things. And it's hard to narrow it down to two people, which is why there's so much polarity. You know, even though obviously some people didn't vote, it was most of the people who did vote were Gen Z, like I yeah. was talking about earlier. And I think that was, I felt really good to be part of that. I know personally, I had friends um, that felt the need to criticize me for, you know, my own progressive views. I, I believe that every in everything I advocate for, you know, progress, you know, needs to be made and they don't align with many other people's views. And, and I'm okay with that. But I'm seeing it everywhere and multiple friends of mine, they're kind of being cut off by family, friends, not talking. Do either of you feel like, you know, that's affecting you in any way? I think it's always been that way, you know, regardless of whether it was an election year or not, that, you know, there's always at any family gathering, especially with my family, there's always bound to be, even if, even if the, Politics never come up. There's always something that goes wrong. Everyone is is allowed to hold their own opinions as long as those opinions aren't threatening anyone's life or culture. Gen Zers, like Mike, you're saying, I when you saw that you are a part of this generation of voters, you know, I really do feel like you guys are the last best hope for kind of taking on the world's challenges. And, you know, I've been encouraged by a lot of the things that you we, we've talked about. And I think that I think we're going to be OK, to be honest. Um, what message would you guys want to leave? Finding authentic people is really hard. Um, authenticity is one of the best qualities you can find in a person or in a relationship, um, any type of relationship. Um, and it comes with vulnerability. And personally, I struggle with showing my vulnerabilities to someone. And I've actually talked about this with my therapist. Um, and with that, I want to say that it's okay to show them. Um, no matter if you know the person that well or not, like, I think that if you get heartbroken, it's because if you get heartbroken because someone disregarded your vulnerabilities, like at least you know that you put yourself out there and you learned a valuable lesson about who that person is. And now you can read that type of person better and like you let something out of, from your heart. And I think that's very important. Yeah. Mike? Yeah. Um... I would say just try to take the good with the bad and, you know, if you want to be extra cheesy, don't give up because, you know, if anything this year has taught me, if this year has taught me anything, it's, you know, there's always silver linings to a cloud and... You know, even when the world is out of our control, which this entire year it has been, <laughs> we can control, we can only control what we do or how we react to it. And, you know, I've, I've made my mistakes this year and how to react to it, but, you know, through your trial and error and see what works for you, as long as it's healthy, 
and keeps you safe from the virus. If you can find that happy medium, I think it would be, that's honestly your ticket to get through this whole thing. Thank you guys. Uh, not Thank only you. for your amazing work that you guys done, have done for me, but for joining me today to bring in your perspective. Thank, Thank you. you for having Thank us. Thank you. Yeah. Well, if you want to learn more about my guests, Sarah Carew DeVar and Mike Robb, please visit my website at tstpodcast.com. That's the letter A, tstpodcast.com, and click under Featured Guests. There you can find their social media links and all of their information and bios. I want to thank you all for your support, for my own self-care, more time to be with my family during the holidays. I will be taking a hiatus and we'll be back uh, with new interviews and some special episodes for the new year. Also, please visit my YouTube channel, Trauma Survivor Thrivers, to get bonus material. And please subscribe and follow me on all my social media platforms for the latest information about the podcast. I'm Lurley Binstock, and you've been listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. I will see you in the new year with brand new episodes you won't want to miss. Have a happy, healthy, and safe end of this year.